0: welcome everyone back to our latest edition of bam's radio a little later this week but i mean we uh, had some uh, some conflicts in our schedules and i know uh with me i had a family situation my brother got married uh so i wasn't able to watch the entirety of the game until sunday and so we wanted to bring you the best point of view we could uh now everybody the band's back together so to speak thomas the wizard watts from the Port City of Mobile is with us producing, as always, He's going to give you his viewpoint of Alabama's beatdown of Texas A&M. And then, of course, from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide and national champion uh, in 1992, and a guy that was a freshman all-SEC, played a lot of football uh, for the University of Alabama, that's William Redfish Barger. He's also here with us tonight to give his thoughts and, and insight into that uh, performance for the Tide and, and to give us a little bit of a preview Uh, of the Ole Miss Rebels and Lane Kiffin, who are the next opponent for Alabama in Oxford, Mississippi. But right now, some uncertainty because of yet another hurricane. Hurricane Delta to be bearing down on Mississippi, so we don't have any final decisions yet on the Alabama Ole Miss game. We strongly believe the Tide uh, will play the game. We just don't know exactly when yet and if it's going to still be a 5 o'clock kickoff uh, on the ESPN family of networks for the Tide uh, on the – Uh, Saturday evening, but we'll see. But, William, great to have you back, sir. Uh, I guess, first of all, just your thoughts and impressions of Alabama, once again, dismantling Texas A&M. You know, I I
1: think more more so than just this particular game, but when you put the first two games together collectively, um, I I just don't see how you can be – dissatisfied as an Alabama fan. Um, You know, that's, um, and there again, I'm sitting here scratching my head, trying to figure out how, you know, the two Texas schools, Texas and Texas (laughs) A&M can have all the money that they have, you know, a a pretty fertile recruiting territory. And, you know, they're just paying two head coaches, boo coodles of money. I mean, Jimbo, obviously a lot more than Herman's getting and that they're just, basically resigned, to uh, you know, four and five lost seasons. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I heard some people over the summer, um, you know, talking about how this was going to be a difficult game for Alabama. And I was like, you know, A&M may have a decent front seven, but as long as Jimbo Fisher is the head coach and Kellen Mond's the quarterback, um, this is a long way from being one of the, one of the games that I'm concerned about. Um, you know, I thought Texas A&M um, you know, did a pretty good job doing some run blitzes and trying to, you know, stymie Alabama's running game. And I thought, you know, Steve Sarkeesian responded accordingly. Um, you know, if you're going to, you know, double cover Waddle and double cover uh, Smitty, uh, we got this other guy over here that you don't know about yet that's going to beat you in single coverage. And, uh, you know, here we are two games into it. I don't think anybody would have predicted that, you know the the top storyline of of the, the, this early portion of a uh, dysfunctional college football season would be Mac Jones's performance at quarterback. But it's you know the top headliner right now from this 2020 team, um, just you know playing lights out. Obviously, he's got a great offensive line and great skill players to uh, complement him. But um, you know and I, I think if you go to the other side of the football. Um, while, while this isn't a lights-out defense, I think it certainly has shown, at least through two games, um, that it's an improved defense over last year. And, um, you know, I think that they can keep getting better. Um, you know, I think you're still looking at, you know, a, a gimpy Christian Barmore. Um, I don't know at this point if DJ – if you're ever going to see the same DJ Dell that I saw um, in the spring of 2019 when he was – you know I'm not saying it's good but he showed flashes of being you know drawn pain like um, but you know I I just don't really have any complaints about what I've seen through two games it's uh
0: you know kind of been better than I expected yeah yeah I mean I would agree with that I I after uh especially I watched most of the first half and then rewatched the game in its entirety and I know there were some people complaining about the defense, but honestly, after watching the tape, I would give them a B plus because really, defense has changed. It's very difficult to hold teams to ten or less anymore. To me, the the, uh, the a dominant number is seventeen. They were very close to doing that uh, because they had the one turnover where William, as you know, it should have been a red zone penalty. Or excuse me, a neutral zone infraction. If, If Atlanta Dickerson snapped the ball, it wasn't. It was an interception. Really, the only mistake Mac Jones made. Uh, And then on a sudden change, Alabama missed an assignment. Looked like Daniel Wright took the wrong tight end because Battle had 85. They tried to double him. And I think, you know, uh, Daniel uh, should have had uh, 46. But I'll say this. He made up for it with a pick six. And and then – you know, the only other play that bothered me was the first touchdown, 47 yards. And that wasn't Daniel Rice' fault. That wasn't his man. It looked like it was going to be one of the linebackers. But he certainly needed to clean it up, though. He needs to be more physical and knock the guy out of bounds around the 30. You know, make them continue to drive the football. But Ania Smith's a really good player. Had over 100 yards receiving for the Aggies. He's more of a, a, a receiver than a running back. He's probably their best weapon. Talking to Owen Buchanan at Tex-Aggs, he thinks he's their best player. Uh, so, you know, uh, you can kind of understand it a little bit. I mean, Alabama's still got some things to clean up. Mainly, I think they just got to be a little bit more physical, and a little better at the safety spots, mostly Daniel Wright. I think battle has been pretty solid so far. And I, you bring up a good point, William. I'm starting to be impressed with the D-line as far as uh, get, uh, developing depth. I thought Fedarian Mathis played very well, and he didn't start the game. Same way with Byron Young. And then you t- you talked about Christian Barmore. He was playing the nose a lot on third down to rush the passer inside. And as you said, that was his first game. So he's just going to do nothing but get better. And see, that's your second team D-line right now because you've got DJ Dale, uh, you've got LeBron Ray, and then you've got, of course, Justin aboygby who made a couple of plays and flashed in the game. If you've got a solid, you know, two deep on the D-line, I think Alabama defensively is just going to get better because – I really like where the linebacker core is right now. And I think it's going to continue to improve as well. I mean, Dylan Moses struggled a little bit in coverage, but you got to understand he's, this is his first year playing Mike. This is only his second game back. And then his job in this past game was mostly to spy on Kellen Mond. And what I thought they did much better. William is Mond hurt them with his legs the last two years. He didn't do a whole lot of that on Saturday.
1: No, I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I, I also think that you know this is. You know, you have to be honest about what you're looking at, and I don't. I, I don't think this is you know the, the, the most talented Jimbo Fisher Texas A&M team that we've seen. I think they've got a pretty good. I think they're pretty good on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Right. Um, you know, they got a they got a nifty little, uh, running back. Mm-hmm. But you know, we've all watched over the last three years. I mean, there's no. You know, middle ground with Kellen Mond. He's either on or it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's no consistency in his performance at quarterback. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, and I've, I've heard people complaining, you know, Alabama fans, well, you know, we're, we're throwing the ball too much. Well, guess what? Nobody with a football IQ north of 70 it's going to walk out there. If you've got a quarterback that can throw passes the way that Mac Jones has shown it through two games and, and, you know, in in instances last season, and you've got those wide receivers and they're going to stack the box and and do, you know, run blitzes and stuff. What you saw Saturday is exactly how you uh, counter that stuff. And then you saw in the second half, they they were able to get a little bit more consistent, uh, you know, running game. But I, I just don't think at this point in time, You know, that's something to be concerned about. Um, You know, we'll see, you know, in my opinion, uh, probably the best defense Alabama's going to see all year is is coming up here in a couple of weeks with with Georgia. Um, You know, that's when we'll get a chance to see, you know, just how good and, um, you know, comprehensive Alabama's offense really is. I do think Georgia has a good defense.
0: Yeah, they really do. And and I thought uh, one thing I liked is, is William, even A&M was able to control the ball a little bit against Alabama, but in their first 40 plays, they scored 35 points. So that shows they're making big plays. It's what you talked about, throwing the ball vertically down the field. And Mac Jones, uh, he, he throws a beautiful deep ball. I mean, it was one of my favorite aspects of watching Blake Sims play quarterback, of course, to a tongue low with his accuracy was amazing. Uh, but the but Matt can, th- can uh, stand toe-to-toe with any of them with the deep ball. And, man, you mentioned it at the start of the segment, John Mechie, he made them pay big time for trying to double either Waddle or Smitty. And we heard about Mechie. He was a, a standout a couple years ago in the 8A game. It was tough to get him reps last year because he was basically the fifth guy. Now he's moved up a couple of notches to third, five catches uh, for that young man uh, for 100 in uh, 81 yards, uh, that's just that's an unbelievable uh, performance in two touchdowns. And he was very close, William, just inches away from potentially six catches for 250 to six, 260 yards and a third touchdown. Uh, this is going to give Alabama a lot of confidence with the passing game going forward because you've got Waddle, who's the most explosive guy, steady as she goes, Devonte Smith, and now a guy in John Metchie that you believe can make defenses pay. Yeah, and I think you have to throw um,
1: probably the fourth best wide receiver uh, on the team into the mix, and Najee Harris. Yeah, that's a a dangerous dangerous weapon, you know, out of the backfield. Um, And you know, I I think the the thing that I've been most impressed about, uh, you know, the obvious thing is, you know, how good Mac Jones is with the deep ball. But I think for somebody that's, you know, even though he's a, a junior. Um, he doesn't have a lot of game experience up to this point.
2: Right. And,
1: I mean, he's got a great, great pocket presence to him. You know, he's willing to stay in there and, 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 you know, let things develop and maybe get, you know, you know lit up when he gets rid of the football. Uh, that, that to me, from a former offensive lineman standpoint, is is what has impressed me about the young man more than anything. Is man, that guy's willing to sit back there and maybe put himself in harm's way and wait for somebody to break open um he anticipates things really well and uh you know i don't think that you know because it's always when you're when you're involved in a program like in alabama you know it's always everybody gets all excited about the new bright and shiny toys um yeah, I think people thought that Bryce Young was going to, you know, give Mac a run for his money as the starter, and I think we've seen through, you know, the first two games um, that probably wasn't very much of a quarterback battle this summer that people would, would was hoping it would be. Um, you know, Mac Jones is, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in college football, you know, at least the the, the best one in the SEC right now. I mean, I know Corral's got, uh, you know, a better QBR rating, but you know, it's because he throws the football 60 times a game. Um, but I, like I said, I just, I agree with everything that you said about the defense. Um, you know, I think one guy that has really impressed me with his consistency and, it, and his growth from year one to year two, especially considering that last year versus Duke was the first football game he's ever played at any level of football as an inside linebacker. But I've been really impressed with Christian Harris. Yeah. Um, I I think through the first two games, at least in my opinion, he's outperformed Dylan Moses.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can can make that argument. To me, though, another unsung hero that he got a sack. I mean, they didn't give Alabama any sacks in this game, but I saw two. I saw Christian Harris get one you just talked about. And then the next guy that I think has really taken that torch from Anthony Jennings as the steady-as-she-goes guy. He's not flashy, but I think he's been highly productive, I've been impressed with Chris Allen and what he's done so far at that Sam spot, uh, uh, William. I, I I I agree.
1: I think that uh, um, you know it, it might be the the you know the same uh, you know the same thing that won Joe Biden some accolades in the first presidential debate. I think maybe the bar had been set so low with <laughs> with Chris Allen that, that that you know he's exceeded the low bar expectations. But like you, Drew, I, I've seen him. You know, flash on several occasions, he's shown to be a better uh, pass rusher um, than than I was expecting to see early in the season. And and I'll say this, you know, his first, his true freshman year, you know, he was the guy, if I went to a practice, um, he would flash. and I'd be like, man, you know, this is going to be the next edge guy. And then, you know, I'd go back two weeks later and, you know, it was like he was a ghost and wasn't even out there. Uh, But I would say through the first two games, yeah, he's been very consistent and and been a productive member of that defense.
0: Yeah, and I'll say this. I mean, I've been impressed with – of course, we heard about Will Anderson. He's made some flashy plays so far. Dylan had a good first game. He wasn't as flashy in the second. But I I will say so far, and it's just two games in, uh, William, but I think this linebacker core is a more balanced one and is a better one. And, of course, with a guy like Dylan Moses back from injury – Uh, that, that's a big part of it, but you added Will Anderson in recruiting as a true freshman into the equation. And then Chris Allen is fully back from his knee injury. This linebacker core has a chance to be one of the best in the sec. No, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, there's good
1: things going on, um, you you know, in, in the back end of the defense as well. I mean, you got some young guys, um, you know, I know there was a lot of people, you know, upset and, uh, you know, bitching and complaining about Danny Wright's, you know, little shove that he didn't execute properly. But, right. you know, then, then you saw him break on that ball and, and get to pick six, which erases, you know, any negative things in my mind when you make a, you know, an explosive play like that. Um, and, and again, it's it's kind of like I was trying to tell somebody the other day, a friend of mine that, that was on edge. I'm like, look, they've won both games decisively. It's the second game of the season. You know, if you're still having these you – know, it's like last year, Drew, during the whole month of September, everybody was bitching about the offense um, and, and their lack of a running game. And nice. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, I, I said it after the Duke game. I'm like, look, they don't have the best five guys out there. Get back to me once they get the best five guys out there. And, you know, once they put them out there and they got into the month of October and November, that running game and that offensive line play – you know, at the end of the year, they were one of the three finalists for the Joe Moore Award, just like they always are. So that's kind of where I'm at with with the 2020 defensive line. You know, let's wait till you know, Barmore's 100%. You know, maybe Dale can get back to what I saw in the spring of 19. But like you said, the depth being uh, developed, there's good things going on at the linebacker position, and there's a lot of guys that are playing, you know, on the back end of the defense. So I mean, outside of the punting, which I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not going to hang myself over missed extra points or special teams. Um, I mean, outside of the punting, I, I don't know what there is to complain about.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, Alabama's hopefully not going to have to punt a whole lot. But you know, uh, Sam Johnson's been a little inconsistent. Hopefully, he'll get better. Uh, but Riker's been perfect so far. They've kicked off well. They're not kicking it to, to uh, Jalen Waddle. Nobody's shocked at that. I think one adjustment we might see later on is, uh, you know, Coach Saban, and he's done that a little bit already, putting Slade Bolden back there with uh, Waddle. We haven't seen Slade a lot as a receiver. I've been asked about that. I think, you know, hopefully that'll come, but it's tough right now. Tr- it's tough to get, you know, four guys involved because you're trying to get three the football and, and you're getting Waddle his touches. And of course, he had five for 142, yet again, setting another career high and a touchdown. You had Smitty who. We're steady as she goes, uh, as he always is, Getting it, and then he had a touchdown catch uh, in the red zone as well. And then, as we said, Mechie's breakout game, and Miller-Forrest all had two nice catches. And then one other small thing that I noticed, William, that I think is going to be a big part of this offense going forward when they get in the red area. One thing I like is when they got inside the, the five, Najee got two touchdown runs, and they blew him off the ball. I noticed, I think on the first one, that the fullback was Carl Tucker. And I'm going to tell you, em, I watched what he did to the guy he blocked. He took the guy to the sideline and, and pancaked him. So I really like the physicality that Tucker plays with. I think he and Miller are going to be the two main tight ends. I don't know how much that we'll see Tucker get involved as a, as a runner or excuse me, as a receiver. Uh, but I definitely, think he passes the test as a blocker. He reminds me of Travis McCall from about a decade ago.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'll be perfectly happy if he's, I, I wasn't going to go back that far, but, and he's not as big, but, you know, if he's Michael Williams, um, I'm good with that. And, uh, you know, I, I just, like I said, I, I think that, um, you know, if you just look at these first two ball games, and, you know, we, we'll have to wait and see, you know, in December, just how good or bad Missouri and, and Texas A&M end up being, but you know, they, they've they dispatched both teams in, in the fashion that I expected them to. So, um, you know, I, I like seeing, you know, if you just look at the biggest criticism of the defense last year was it looked like it was chaos and the communication wasn't good. And at least through the first two ball games, it looks like they've improved upon that um, tremendously. And maybe that's, you know, having Dylan Moses out there. I don't know. Uh, but it just looks like they're on the same page. You just don't see mass confusion, um, you know, before the ball snap, like you saw last year. You know, I would say if there is, you know, one criticism, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they they need to continue to, you know, and Thomas and I harped upon this all throughout the 2019 season. I, I think they're doing a better job of affecting the quarterback. Yeah. But – they they need to do a better job of putting him on the ground, mm-hmm. and you know I think it's you know Will Anderson can get some, you know some counter moves into his into his toolbox. Uh, Chris Allen can continue to develop there. You know they they need to have you know Barmore or somebody that can collapse the pocket from the inside of the defensive line, but but that that pass rush is is still leaving a
0: little bit to be desired in my opinion. Yeah, you know we, uh, I, and I think you know uh, that, that that will improve. And it's interesting because uh, I'm going to let Thomas come into the conversation. He was just bringing up a point about organic pressure. Thomas, what has been your thoughts on the defense thus far?
2: Well, in terms of the two games, I, I've I've bought into the notion that the Alabama defense against Texas A&M made the calculated decision that they weren't going to let Kellen Mond beat them with his legs. Keep him in the pocket. Make him make hero throws. If he makes a ton of hero throws, then we'll reevaluate. And he was making some good throws this past Saturday, but he wasn't consistent enough to do it consistently enough to move the offense and score touchdowns. Yes, A&M had a ton of plays, particularly in the second half, but... I mean, there was never a critical point because of Alabama's depth and ability to rotate, where you felt Alabama's defense was tired. And when Nick Saban started to sense that, let's start running the ball. Let's let's compress the fourth quarter as much as we can with Brian Robinson and just burn clock. Lo and behold, game ends very quickly, short, very quickly thereafter. But in terms of just overall, uh, I do think that. What Pete Golding he's he's gotten he's been given some flexibility with his front. It's no longer run one thing and only one thing. He can add some multiplicity with it. Uh, he's really turned up the aggression. If third and six, if the Alabama defense sees a third and six, five or six people are coming all the time. Like that. That is that's one of the things he's done fairly consistently, and. The thing about the defense is by and large, like I've been frustrated somewhat with Pete Golding at times on this show and others. There's still a lot of new moving parts. There are people that are coming back off injury. There was no spring. There was a weird fall. There hasn't been a game or a series of games to kind of knock the rust off. You know, I swear to, to you know, William grab my organic pressure notion. I'm going to grab his offensive line notion. You know, those guys, they bulk up in the spring and then they have to get into game shape. Well, that's not just an offensive lineman thing. So all of that stuff got upset. And yeah, I think that Ray and Baloo deserve a ton of credit for trying to normalize it during the pandemic, but it's just not the same. So as as the pieces and parts that are either new or returning and playing as a unit, are able to gel, I think this defense is going to be very solid. Do you want to see a little more pass rush? Sure. But at the same time, let's look at the opponents that Alabama has coming up soon. You can probably force Coral out of the pocket and accept that he'll burn you with his legs a little bit. Or maybe you want to mush rush him like you did Mond. I don't know. But Stetson Bennett is not that athletic. He's much more a statue, like he's got a little bit of athleticism, but he's not going to run for 200 yards on you. And Georgia runs a a pro-style drop-back offense. If Alabama gets Georgia in third and longs, that's when you can really tee off because Bennett's not going to spin out and run for 25 yards. So I expect a lot of pressure to come from the front in that game. It's just what's happening is on the defense, it's new pieces and parts. Pete Golding is trying to change his pitch. And you're going to see some breakdowns. One of the things that I I, I get told a lot is, oh, this isn't the 2016 defense. Well, the 2016 defense had, like, eight first-round picks and no non-drafted player on it. So, no, this defense is not that. But that defense is, like, once every 30 years in terms of collection of talent. So, except that occasionally Alabama is going to give up a long drive. I frankly think this defense is going to end up looking very much so like the Clemson defense from the the 44-16 beatdown a couple of years ago. They'll give up yards galore between the 20s, but when you get in the red zone and that field compresses, they are going to ruin your life. And with the way the offense is performing, and it's doing some pitch change stuff too that you all have touched on briefly – Kicking field goals is not going to beat Alabama this year. So I like where this team is through two games. And, uh, you know, I expect a big win against Ole Miss. We'll talk about that a little more later on in the show. And then buckle up for Georgia because let's just say that there's some old fashioned hatred on multiple sides coming into that game.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. It's
2: not. There's there's a lot of mutual respect, and yet, uh, you
0: know, there's a lot of. uh, uh, you know a, a dislike with LSU as well but with, with Georgia, it's hate. that's all it is. it's hatred. Uh, the, one of the best tweets I saw all weekend was Christian Sabin Setos and uh, a, there was an Alabama fan as usual, you know flapping his gums on Twitter saying, man, I sure missed 2011 when I felt like if the, if, if we uh, if we had a 10 point lead the game was over that or we were going in other words they're gonna we're gonna hold the team if we, you know, to 10 points or less, and then whatnot. In other words, football is not being played that way anymore. I surely miss Kirby Smart when he would shut teams down, and Christian Saban said, we don't miss him. And I thought that was hilarious. So, I mean, uh, I I certainly still think Jeremy Pruitt is, uh, you know, uh, a better defensive coordinator, better evaluator, better recruiter uh, than uh, Kirby Smart. And I look forward to that game in a couple weeks, but, I've enjoyed watching this team grow. Thomas, I agree with you. I'm not down on them at all. And you know, you and I have both been very hard on Pete Golding. Uh, But I think they've been solid uh, through a couple weeks. I think they've got some things to work on. But the upside is tremendous. And and this defense looks faster to me. And the one good thing is they've got upside. And I've been really impressed with the young secondary so far. I know it's the safety. They've, They've struggled a little bit. But like William said, for the mistakes Daniel Wright's made, he got a huge pick six in the game, and I and Jordan Battle has been really solid overall. He's had some tough luck. He's been right in position. Guys are still catching tip balls and things of that nature, but he had a big pass breakup down on the sidelines at the goal line. Uh, and I think like and I feel like he's really been in position much of uh, the season so far. And I got and you just got to give Windermeyer 85 credit. He's a good player, uh, and I think Alabama's going to learn from that. And, and really, that's what they got to work on, you know, covering the tight end a little bit better, covering the backs out of the backfield. But like William said, a lot of that is early season stuff that Alabama needs to work on and they need to come out in, in, into their own and, 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 and you know, and clean that stuff up. But that's just stuff for Coach Saban to be able to harp on and get them to work on. And I certainly think the defense so far, I would give them probably a B-plus through two games. And like William said, they're going to need to start getting home with the pass rush, but they're really close. They were close to getting mined several times. I think they can turn those into sacks. I think they can turn them into sacks with Corral, who is an underrated athlete but still is capable of being pressured. And, you know, I think the Ole Miss offense has some weapons with Elijah Moore, Kenny Yaboa, the graduate transfer tied in from Temple, uh, certainly, and then, of course, uh, the, uh, the Jonathan Mingo. But I think Alabama can slow them down, and I think this is going to be the best team that Ole Miss has seen. I know they played Florida – but Florida's having defensive issues of their own. I, I think Alabama's going to win this game and win it comfortably. And, uh, you know, Nick Saban, I, I don't think he has any love loss for Lane Kiffin, even though Lane did a good job at Alabama. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I think they're going to beat the Rebels 51-17. to 17. Uh, I, I don't really care about the weather either. I think Alabama, the thing that I remember is if Alabama's focused, and they certainly were when they went to Georgia back in 2015, they played that game in a monsoon and dominated the Georgia Bulldogs. So I think it was 38 to 10 that, that afternoon. So I think Alabama is going to be ready to play. And the good part is I think they're healthy. You know, they, they still don't have Ronald Williams, who would provide depth in the secondary. But they've stayed relatively healthy uh, the first two weeks. And I think that's big for Alabama. And they've certainly protected Mac Jones, William. I think the pass protection has been outstanding for the most part. Well,
1: I'd like to circle back around with whoever that marble mouth was on Twitter. That was singing home sweet home about Kirby smart. Ask, ask him to put together a greatest hits list starting in 2013. When the likes of Gus Malzahn, Reverend freeze, urban Meyer, uh, uh, Clemson, you know, the list goes on and on. Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, scored, you know, hung 4 hung 40 plus points on Kirby Smart whenever they wanted to. Yeah. Um yeah, Kirby was a much better defensive coordinator when, you know, the majority of the teams that they played on an annual basis were pro style offenses. And, and and to his, you know, in his defense, which you're not going to hear me defend fourth and Kirby very often, you know, that that's Nick Saban's defense and it's always been designed to stop the run first. And uh, but you know once the spread of offenses came into play, um, the, the shine wore off of uh, fourth and Kirby real quick. Yeah, and you're right about that. Not to, mention, re- not to mention to what Joe, not to mention to what Joe Burrow did to him in the national or the SEC championship
0: game last year. Yeah, I mean no doubt about it. Yeah, they they could have given up 60, uh, seventy points. Uh, I think that Jeremy Pruitt kind of modernized the defense a little bit, simplified it. And hopefully, uh, you know, Pete Golding has kind of been learning on the job. But uh, with Nick Saban looking over his shoulder, hopefully they're going to be better. And, and hopefully it's because of, the, of being healthy and then having guys, you know, more comfortable in their roles. Really, I got to tell you, um, you know, I've been really impressed with Malachi Moore. He's the reigning SEC freshman of the week. I thought he played outstanding football at the star spot and has really given him good production there. Probably better play than we saw at that spot last year with more experienced players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think they've got, you know, look, you know, has, has Danny
1: Wright, you know, made some mistakes? Yeah, he has. But, man, you know, he's, he's got to pick six. Um, yep. You know, they've got a lot of moving parts back there. Like we talked about this, you know, back in August. And there's two ways to make Pete Golding Look like he belongs as the defensive coordinator at Alabama, and that's for which we harp on all the time. You know that pass rush to get a little bit better, and I agree, it's it's close, uh, but they need to take that next step. And you know, if you've got Patrick Surtain on one side and Josh Job on the other, you know, shutting their guys down. You know that because you know Alabama's never really under Nick Saban you know, had a team just line up and run the ball down their throats on a consistent basis. Um, and I don't, I don't think you'll see that happen this year either. And it's, it's a very challenging dynamic with, you know, the offenses nowadays or, or over the last five years. Um, you know, you, you really can't put an offense out there and, and play keep away and, like you said, hope to kick field goals and really expect to beat anybody. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of dynamic offenses with good quarterbacks. It's not just, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Clemson and Mac Jones and Alabama. There's a lot of good offenses out there. I mean, you know, Florida with Kyle Trask is capable of putting up a lot of points on any given Saturday. So, um, you know, even Garantano up there at Tennessee's gotten better. Um, so, you just can't base a game plan on that anymore. You
0: got to go out there and score points offensively. Yeah, you really do. You've got to score points. Really, you've got to, it used to be teams wanted to score 17 to 24. Now you really need to score 38, to around in the 30s, anywhere from 31 to 38 points really uh, to feel good because teams are so explosive offensively. They throw the ball so much better uh, than they have. And you can still, and what I mean by that is, and win comfortably. And uh, of course, Alabama has been super explosive uh, so far offensively. And, uh, Mac Jones, people want to talk about, you know, the, the taking away from the running game, but they only threw 27 passes, William. 20 completions went for 435 yards. Mac is the Maxwell Award uh, National Player of the Week this week. He has been huge so far. I thought he had been undervalued the whole summer. Uh, you've already brought up the point about people wanting Bryce Young, but this is Mac Jones' football team, and I'm really happy for him because I, you know, we, we interviewed him on this show, uh, you know, back when he came in out of high school. He was on the podcast, uh, you know, and I, he's just an unusual kid because he played in a program uh, at Jacksonville Bowls that, you know, a lot of times was run the wing T. but then when he was there, went to a, some more spread, let him throw the football. But he's always kind of been the second banana because he came in with two Tua Tungvaluwa, be committed from Kentucky, but I give him a lot of credit for staying at Alabama and waiting his turn. And he certainly looks like he's very comfortable within Steve Sarkeesian's offense. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, that's something that, that really needs
1: to be emphasized in, in the, the culture that's college football, right? Joe? You know, if, if you don't get on the field in a year or two, you go into the transfer portal and go somewhere else. And, you know, I think in, in his case, and I can't remember all the different dynamics, but I know he comes from a, you know, super talented gene pool in his family. I think his mom was a tennis player and, you know, dad was a D1 athlete somewhere else. He might have a, a sibling that's, you know, played college volleyball. I'm just throwing that out there. I can't remember. But, you know, I, and I think you see that in his demeanor. Um, he's, he's a quiet competitor. I mean, he's not a rah-rah guy that's going to get up in your face and, and talk smack, but he's a, a quiet leader and a quiet competitor. And, uh, you know, he's, he's on an offensive unit. You know, I don't know if I've ever been stumped, um, to this fashion as I was earlier this week on Ryan Fowler's show. Um, you know, he asked me to name who I thought the best offensive lineman was on this 2020 team. And I was like, (laughs) you know, um, every single one of them has a damn uh, NFL future in front of them. But if you're going to put a gun to my head and make me make the call, then I'm going to have to go with Evan Neal. Um, You know, he's another another Jedrick Wills. He's another Jonah Williams. He could play all five positions at a high level. Um, You know, then probably I'd have to go with, you know, Landon Dickerson and, and Deontay Brown, you know, on the next tier. Um, but, you know, that that's just a very difficult question. But, you know, you can just see that, you know, Neil is the next big freak show. Um, he could play all five positions. He's probably going to be the left tackle next year. Um, but, you know, there again, how do you choose between, you know, Jerry, Judy, Henry, Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. I mean, you know, you can throw a dart at a dartboard and come out ahead, whatever wherever the dart lands on. Um, but it's just a very it's a fun fun. You know, for for us Alabama fans that remember, uh, you know, toss forty eight and Blunt forty five, you know, forty times a game under Gene Stallings. You know, this is rarefied air with what. Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkisian, even to a lesser extent, Brian Dayball um, have been able to do for the
0: last five or six years. Yeah, Brian Dayball's doing pretty good in Buffalo. He's done a great job with Josh Allen, and he he wasn't given enough credit for the job he did while he was at Alabama. But, I mean, I agree with you. I love the way Sark spreads the ball around. I love the way he calls the game. He's, you know, the difference is I think he's more of a QB guy, and while Lane Kiffin is an outstanding play caller and schemer, Uh, and he knows how to identify playmakers and get them the football. Uh, He's not as much of an intricate guy with the QBs, but he's an outstanding offensive mind. He knows how to get production out of them. Uh, I know Matt Corral's put up huge stats the first two weeks, William. They shredded Florida for 600 yards. They came back late to beat Kentucky in a game I didn't think they would win. Uh, How dangerous is this Ole Miss offense, and how do you expect Alabama to attack them? You know, I, I would say there's some
1: variables involved here. I think the weather's going to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, it's like I told Ryan Fowler the other night, you know, look, play the damn game Saturday at 5 o'clock. I, I don't care if there's a monsoon. Um, you know, that, that'd be a great opportunity for Steve Sarkeesian to work on the running game and, and turn it into Good the point. Najee Harris show. Right. Um, do, do I think Ole Miss has the capability of scoring some points on Pete Golding's defense? If it's dry, yeah, but if it's a slop fest, then it's going to, you know, go south in a hurry for Lane Kiffin. And I, and I totally agree with your, you know, assessment. I don't think it's any secret that – and I, I'm not going to say to who, but Steve Sarkeesian has even made this comment in past OC coaching searches. Look, if you want the best quarterback developer, you'll hire me. Uh, if you want the more dynamic play caller, you'll hire Lane. Um, so I, I totally agree with what you said earlier. But um, I think it's all going to depend on how bad the weather is. I mean, if it's a, a swamp, um, then, then I, I think that's going to really diminish, you know, the, the offensive production. I mean, Old Miss is not going to line up, um, you know, in, in a, in a uh, power formation and run the football down Alabama's throats. Now, can they spread everybody out if it's dry? And, and, you know, slice and dice the defense with passes, probably. But, I mean, when I say slice and dice, they might score 17 to 24 points. Um, You know, I I just don't see them as a threat. I agree with the assessment that you gave before we started recording. Um, You know, I I think Alabama's going to probably
0: beat the piss out of Ole Miss. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I was going to bring Thomas Watts back into the conversation. Thomas. I know you've watched Ole Miss a little bit against Kentucky, uh, against Florida. You've seen how they match up with Alabama. What are your thoughts on the Ole Miss matchup?
2: So, I'm going to give my thoughts with the assumption being the game is played when it was originally scheduled. Uh, That could change. Obviously, I live down in Mobile, Alabama, so this storm has had my attention for the better part of two and a half days and it keeps tracking west so it might not by the time it gets to Oxford it's just going to be a pretty bad rainstorm. It'll be windy but it won't be you know it won't be awful. But the problem is Ole Miss doesn't have a lot of talent. They have good skill talent. They have just awful, awful talent in the trenches. And their defense yeah. there might be one player and it would be a fight that would start – that would that would make Alabama's too deep on defense. The Ole Miss defense is just – it has been brain-drained. Uh, the, the spot that – the situation with Ole Miss losing their postseason and all the nonsense with the right reverend, Hugh Freeze, they really suffered on defense, getting good talent. So – if it turns into a mud fest, which it probably will, quite frankly, run the ball at them 40 times, preserve your health, and get the heck out of the way. and that's, And Alabama will be able to do that. I just don't see this being a close game. We always talk about what it takes to beat Alabama. And one of the prerequisites is talent at least in the same orbit – a quarterback to have the game of his life and have a high enough ceiling that the game of his life is actually going to put stress on the Alabama defense and enough defensive horses to make two or three key stops. That's pretty much it. You know, Think about the games that have been close with Alabama over the past couple of years. Well, the SEC championship that Alabama won, Georgia forced Alabama into mistakes. And we saw... That, that happened the lsu game last year the Alabama defense couldn't get us they could get a stop but when they were when lsu forced alabama into dime alabama's defense was just you know hurry it, it was it was brutally bad this it, it was brutally bad the auburn game was just a weird one so i kind of throw that one out there are a lot of statistical irregularities but anyway back to my point all of those situations are not this Ole Miss is at a decided talent disadvantage against Alabama and in a slop fest an old fashioned three yards and a cloud of dust slop fest. Alabama is going to be able to do whatever they want. Uh, if, if it was dry, like William said, I think Ole Miss could put up, I think Ole Miss could put up 30 to 35 and fans would be screaming to fire Pete Golding. But, in the time it takes Ole Miss to put up 35, Alabama would put up 66 to 70 in a heartbeat. <clears throat> I mean, they, it's one of those games where it, it could very quickly turn into basketball on turf. And that's not a game that Ole Miss can win, barring a bunch of plays going weird for Alabama. It's just a mismatch. Like, if Lane Kiffin if we have this conversation 3 years from now and lane kiffin's able to grab some top 25 recruiting classes and particularly fortify the trenches okay he might be able to outrace alabama his team right now is not that uh, you know 600 yards to florida and kentucky ran for like 250 like some some egregiously large number of rushing yards it was
0: 400, games. Thomas. Okay. It was unbelievable. Okay. I knew
2: I knew it was some silly number because
0: <laughs> yeah, three guys got 100 plus.
2: Okay, I'm sorry. I I just yeah. I knew I knew the number was huge because Terry Wilson had 150, and then a couple of other guys had good games too. So that's what Alabama is playing, and you know I think Kentucky's offense has gotten a bad rap because they're they're a decent offense. They just cannot make critical plays, and it was the lack of critical playmaking that's the difference between Kentucky two and zero and Kentucky zero and two. But anyway, everything mm-hmm. Kentucky did to Ole Miss offensively, Alabama can do, but you know, Spinal Tap, turn it up to eleven. I don't think this <laughs> is going to be close. I, give me, give me forty-five to seventeen. I would. I think that Alabama is going to want to go on long drives to get the heck out of Oxford with their health, because this will be a slop fest this weekend.
0: Yeah, it will be. There's no doubt about it. And before I get Williams' pick, I know he he likes Alabama big. I wanted to talk more about some of the growth in the secondary. He talked about Patrick Sertain, and we expect you know Sertain to be a first round draft choice and to play well, William. But I'll say this: I've been really impressed. Uh, for the most part, uh, with the, with the, how Josh Jobe has performed in the first two games?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talked about this uh, back in August. Um, I, I felt like he was the key, um, you know, for this defense, taking, you know, growth steps over 2019. You know, if, if you can keep him healthy, you know, keep him tuned in and, and, and not have the, the same old off off-the-field issues creep up. I mean, he he, he might be, you know, long-term uh, more talented than Sertain, and that's that's a mouthful, and I'm probably going out on a limb there, because there's still a yeah. lot. I think, you know, Sertain is the more dependable proven commodity right now, but Josh Job may have more long-term upside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you could go to every level of that Alabama defense and find a guy like that. You know, I think You know, there's a chance long term um, that Christian Harris could be a better SEC linebacker than Dylan Moses. Um, You know, there's a chance that, you know, Will Anderson, uh, as early as next year, could be better than Ryan Anderson. Um, So, you know, and, and, you know, you can go over the offense. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, somebody made the comment to me. Um, earlier this week, well, you know, I think the one thing, I just dropped my head, I'm like, oh, my God, you think that offense is missing one facet? And yeah. they said, well, the one facet the one facet that they're missing is, you know, they need a change of pace running back like Kenyon Drake. And I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, we, we need a, a, you know, a speedy guy back there. You know, Najee's not a, you know, a 4-4 guy, you know. Neither is Brian Robinson. I said, okay, here's what you do. You put Jalen Waddle back behind Matt Jones, and there's your
0: change of pace running back. <laughs> That's a good point. And William, I'm not as concerned about the running game. I think it's going to come around for Alabama. I really thought it was good against Missouri. I mean, look, they sat Najee Harris for about a quarter and a half. He had 98 yards on 17 carries and three touchdowns. He, he only had 43 yards Saturday, but he had two TDs in the red zone. And I thought Brian Robinson took some steps forward, 10 carries for 60 yards, but you made a great point. Against this Ole Miss defensive front seven, I wouldn't be surprised. Coach Saban's talked about the running game needing to be more consistent. I I bet you Mac Jones is still going to have his opportunities to throw the football, but I bet we see Alabama give uh, Ole Miss a heavy dose of uh, number 22 and number four.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I I think, you know, lost in – it's deserve it. Don't get me wrong. Lost in all the Mac Jones love. And I'm not trying to take away from that. Cause I, 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 I he won me over last year in the iron bowl. Yes. The way he responded from those two pick sixes that, that, that showed me that he's got a, you know, an alpha mindset and, and, you know, can, can move on from, from the previous play, but lost in, you know, all the love for, Jalen Waddell and John Mechie and Mike Jones in, in a sneaky way to me. Um, I think Najee Harris has upped his game. Yeah. Um, you, you know, he's, he looks a little faster. He looks a little, you know, looks a little bit more decisive to me. Um, and, 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 you know, the thing that really attracts me to him as a player is, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a stretch play in the running game or, you know, him catching a you know a, a slant route out of the backfield, man, you get that guy's best effort on every play. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. And, and, you know, I think you're seeing, in my opinion, and we really haven't touched on this. I mean, I know we bring both their names up, you know, at, at various times. But from an overall standpoint, I think – Yes. Was it, was it a negative that there wasn't a spring practice? Yes. Was it a negative that you had a uh, powder puff fall camp? Yes. But lost in all that was the increased amount of time that I think the two new strength, and can, well, the, the one new strength coach and the performance and speed coach, Baloo and, and Rhea, I think you're going to start to see more and more examples of that because I've already seen it in a limited sample size to where their, their, their fingerprints are starting to really show up on this 2020 Alabama football team.
0: And this is a great seg- segue to my next question and point. I was watching him Saturday, William, and on the first touchdown, I think he bulldozed – he he, I think he blocked two guys, maybe even three. But he looks like he's in the best shape of his career – and he's playing with a lot of emotion and passion. I really like what I've seen out of Cornbread, Deontay Brown at left guard. You know, I feel the same way about the
1: other four guys, Drew. I'm not trying to take away anything right. from Cornbread. The, the,
0: the whole unit,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole unit. I mean, and, you know, just at least through the first two games, you know, the the, the one guy um, that I think's a little bit behind the eight ball compared to the other four is, is Alex Leatherwood. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's getting the job done at left tackle, but, you know, even Ikior, um, you know, has shown me a lot of really good things. You know, he's a guy that can play all three positions inside. Um, you know, Cornbread could play left or right guard. Center might be a stretch. You know, Dickerson can play all three positions. And, and I think he's a great example of – you know, getting a guy in the right position to be successful. Um, I was less than impressed with his performance as a right tackle when he was at Florida State and was, to be honest with you, based on that, um, not all that excited when he came to Tuscaloosa. But, man, there's a guy right there that is just old school Dean Steinkeler, uh, <laughs> Boyd, Boyd Epley, nasty at Nebraska circle 1986. That's right. Um, love that guy. He is now – I mean, he, he I forget. I can't remember if it was the Missouri game or the A&M game. Um, well, it had to have been the A&M game because there wasn't a, a, a interception against Missouri. But, you know, he he didn't just pick the damn guy up and tackle him. You know, it looked like a damn uh, – the Undertaker in WWE Monday Night Raw um, with what he tried to do, that guy. And, and, you know, and I know people have gotten upset with him before – um, last season where he you know kind of extended some things that he shouldn't have. But you, you don't try and put a tamper on aggressiveness and, and wanting to be good and punishing the player in front of you. Um, you know, to me, that's the, the, the greatest thing about – and I'm so happy that they've come out with that Joe Moore Award. But, you know, that's the whole basis of the Joe Moore Award You know, when he was the the O-line coach at Notre Dame and, you know, he he made this famous quote, there is no greater satisfaction. I might be paraphrasing, but there's no greater satisfaction in the game of football from moving a player from point A to point B against their will. And I think Landon Dickerson, I think Landon Dickerson embodies that quote more than anybody I've seen at Alabama in a while.
0: Well, and and I'll tell you the play it was, William. It actually was Missouri, but it was the strip sack. Because that's right, that's right. Um, I'm Bryce Young. Yeah, they picked up the fumble, and then uh, and then Landon went WWE (laughs) on uh, on his opponent there. But he does play with an edge. I think he's a great leader. Uh, He's really proven himself to be a good center, and he never played center before. I don't even think in high school until he got to Alabama. I know he didn't at Florida State, but I know he's thankful to be at Alabama because Florida State's a dumpster fire right now. He's finishing his career playing with a championship caliber program, a chance to develop as an NFL player, but William, uh, I'm going to go to you now. I know Thomas picked 45, 17. I picked 51, 17. Uh, How bad is shellacking? Do you think Alabama is going to give Lane Kiffin? You know, I mean, there's some variables in
1: play here that I just can't, you know, predict. I mean, you know, is is the storm going to be bad? Is, is, you know, is it going to be a game shortened, you know, by lightning warnings and all that stuff, which, you know, tends to take the wind out of a team's sales. Um, I, I'm going to lean more towards your prediction than Thomas's. I mean, if, if it's wet, um, then I think that certainly is going to increase Alabama's point total and diminish old misses because they're, they're not going to line up the football and run the ball down Alabama's throats. I certainly don't think a if it's wet a 51 to 17 um you know tight performance
0: is out of the equation but it could be uglier than that. Well, it might be and uh, I do think Alabama's the much better football team. Lane's going to throw a lot at Alabama, but if they're disciplined defensively, if they tackle well and the key is to be disruptive. If they can get a pass rush on Corral, be disruptive, sack him, a, a few times, and then force two or three turnovers, then I think it is going to get ugly in Oxford. I mean, the last three meetings, I think it's 187 to 41. I think it's going to be another beat down. I think Alabama's just got the much better roster. And then they just want to come out healthy and get ready for an outstanding, uh, you know, very talented Georgia team. And I'm anxious, William, to see that Alabama-Georgia uh, game. But first, I want to see Tennessee and Georgia. I know we're both Jeremy Pruitt fans. They have looked much better They like, I thought they might be on upset alert against Missouri. They handled Missouri about like Alabama did. I want to see how they look in Athens on Saturday afternoon. I'm anxious to see that game. I am too. You know, I've watched both of their games. Um,
1: You know, and I think the biggest difference is, you know, they've got a really good offensive line. Um, The defense may not be elite, but I think it's solid. But to me, the, the, the biggest difference is their performance at quarterback from, from Garantano. I mean, he's, you know, yeah. it's a limited sample size, but he's looked pretty, um, you know, confident and, and, you know, is running the offense as well. And this just jarred my memory. Um, you know, cause this has happened since we talked last week and I, I, I freely admit that I didn't know he was an all pro, um, you know, I thought he was a really, really good player, but not maybe not even as good as Minka Fitzpatrick. But are either one of y'all as blown away as I am that Marlon Humphrey just got $100 million?
0: Yeah, I mean, wow, $98.75 million, <laughs> $66 million guaranteed. I guess he made the right decision to turn pro after his red redshirt sophomore year, William. I, you know, again, he was a real –
1: you know, now – his last year, yeah, he was an elite player. Um, you know, I, I thought he—I don't think he was. You know, his first year as a starter, and right. there again, I think that is the biggest. You know, I think Jeremy Pruitt emphasized this more than anybody um, during his two tenures at Alabama, um, and I think Marlin's a, a perfect example of it. You know, hey, you recruit these five stars. You know, it, it takes them. You know, a year, year and a half to get the playbook down. You know, you get a half to one good season out of them, and they turn pro on your ass. And Mm -hmm. I certainly think Marlon fits that bill. But, you know, I'm not an NFL guy. I don't watch it. Um, I think the last time I watched a whole Super Bowl, uh, Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers won it, and that might have been 1996. Don't quote me on that. But I I just didn't realize he had gone on to the NFL and, you know, done the things that he's done. And I just, you know, got on AL.com one morning last week, and I'm like, what? 98 million and 66 guarantee and good for him. I'm not, you know, trying to take that away from him. I've known his dad for a long time, a great guy, Uh, but I was just like, wow. Um, And there again, another feather and, you know, Nick Saban's uh, uh, recruiting and development cap that makes it, you know, that much easier for him to sign elite DBs on an annual basis. But
0: I was just like, good
1: Lord, where'd this come from?
0: Well, he, he's going to need a year or two because he, uh, he's he got to get stronger physically and he's going to have to be deprogrammed because he loves Instagram. But a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry needs to be watching that because he's not the kind of impact guy that's going to come in and start as a true freshman. He's going to have to, you know, be deprogrammed. He's going to have to get bigger. He's going to have to get stronger and get more consistent. But if, if you think you're going to go to Auburn and be, a, and be developed as a DB, then you're crazy you need to go to Alabama or LSU where they have factories at the position and they turn out pros year in and year out Auburn's in a lot of trouble right now I'm watching that replay of the Georgia game they're not very good along the lines of scrimmage and I'm just telling you William if they lose to Arkansas I don't think they will but I think it'll be close but if they lose to Arkansas boy that seat's gonna get hot on Gus fast well, I mean, I think he's got some things going on behind
1: the scenes down there. Um, I, I don't want to get too specific about it, but there's a lot of bad blood in that locker room with the way that Joey Gatewood was treated versus how Bo Nix was treated. Yeah. Uh, totally agree with your assessment. They, they've gone backwards in a big way on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think they've lost their best defensive player in K.J. Britt for quite some time to a shoulder injury. Yeah, they don't right have right. a. Yeah, they don't. They don't have that typical, you know, Auburn go-to running back like they've had in the past, and and we all know what's fixing to happen. You know, if they lose one more ball game, uh, you know, Chad Morris may retain the offensive coordinator title, but you know who's going to be calling the plays, and mm-hmm. it's going to be the same five plays out of fifteen different formations that it's been. You know, since 2013, um, but no, that you know, especially you know the, the the one positive that Bo Nix did have, um, you know, in his toolbox. Seth Williams, I think, is hurt, you know, at least for a week or two, um, and he's a very good player. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think Arkansas is going to beat him either. But you know, go back and watch that first game versus Kentucky. If they get a little bit more consistent play out of their quarterback and Mark Stoops makes, a, uh, you know, a few, a, a few better decisions, I don't know how that game turns out. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think they're in trouble. they got a tough schedule. Um, but I, I don't think Arkansas is going to beat them. If they do, I'll be shocked.
0: Well, we're all looking forward to the games this weekend. It's going to be a great weekend of football. We're all expecting Alabama to roll in Oxford, Mississippi and be 3-0 headed uh, back home to Tuscaloosa for a huge gargantuan contest with Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs as Kirby Freeze. I mean, Smart will bring his uh, football team into Tuscaloosa in just a little bit over a week. Uh, that's going to be a hyped-up contest. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting game day to be there. Uh, all the pomp and circumstance. First uh, meeting since Jalen Hurst broke their hearts, uh, and it was back-to-back. Uh, heartbreaking losses to Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts in the University of Alabama. So that's going to be an unbelievable uh, football game. But We just hope Alabama can enroll in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, stay healthy, and be ready for Georgia. For William Redfish Barger, we really appreciate his thoughts tonight. For Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Drew DeArmond. We hope you've enjoyed this uh, version of BAM's radio our, our, as we continue our season previews and we uh, continue to follow this Alabama Crimson Tide season, this unusual one, this all-SEC schedule in 2020. We're going to continue to come to you every week. We hope to be back to our usual Sunday uh, this coming week, but we brought you a midweek preview, and it's probably a good one because a good thing because of this weather situation. So we're bringing you the latest in in, uh, the uh, Alabamas. The hay's really almost in the barn after today's practice. They'll be heading to Oxford soon to hopefully whip the Rebels uh, for the uh, third straight time, soundly, and really fourth straight time, as we said last three meetings, really 187-41. to 41. We think the Alabama is going to continue their mastery over Ole Miss this weekend and go to 3-0 and o and get ready for that game everyone's had circled at home against the Georgia Bulldogs. For Thomas Watts, for William Redfish Barger, good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to BAMS Radio and Roll Tide.